Welcome to Sometimes Dead is Better, and it's me, Kristen. And me, Chris. And if you're just joining us, we are two friends who do a deep dive into one of their favorite horror movies. Our favorite horror movies. Yep. Not one of their, like... Well, sometimes it's one of mine. I suppose uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) And then I tie a true crime to it, because I'm really into true crime, and I like to try to shock Chris a little bit. And I listen. Yes. You listen very well. Yeah. And so what are we doing this week? This week, uh, we're very excited. Uh, we're doing one of our favorite movies, which, you know, is kind of funny. We didn't even start with this. But we're doing uh, Scream. From, from 1996. 1996. Um, I was in high school. I guess you were in high school, too, right? Mm-hmm. Middle school? High school? Um, well, I was in middle school, yeah. Uh, right. Sorry. Um, I think, you know, spoiler alert, this is a perfect, perfect movie. It really is great. Like, I was rewatching it, and I hadn't seen it in... Maybe five years. It hadn't been like that long, but it's just everything was so good. Just the dialogue is so good. The kills are so good. Yeah. And it's on Netflix. So yes. um, go for it. Apparently the sequels are on Amazon Prime. So I'm oh, okay. excited to watch those. Yeah, me too. Because um, I haven't seen those in a long, long time. Um, anyway, so I'm excited to talk about this. Um, but first, if you're new to the show, and um, I don't know if we've really introduced... Well, I guess we did introduce where our show was, didn't we? <laughs> But what we like to do is um, a game called, you know, what are we drinking? Mm-hmm. Is it a game or just it's a kind thing? Kind of a game. Okay. So where we try and tie in a beverage, an alcohol beverage, to whatever movie or show we're watching. Um, and honestly, Scream was very difficult. There's no beer or wine called Scream. Well, or, you, that sounded pretty lazy, yeah, though. Or, you were or, just yeah. like, let's just find something that's called or Scream. Ghostface. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, you know, Nev Campbell or just names of things. Yeah. Um, so what, what I decided to do is I just bought, in, in the spirit of the teenagers that were watching on screen and the fabulous part they had to, I bought a six-pack or a five-pack of Miller Lights. It was a six-pack. Yeah. I bought a six-pack. That's much as okay. true. <laughs> um, because this takes place in the 90s. There are no craft beers. And they're teenagers anyway, so they wouldn't be drinking probably. I don't know what teenagers do these days. But I felt like a six-pack of Miller Light is pretty on brand for the character in this movie. Yeah, I think definitely if they were stealing beers from their dad's fridge in the garage, it oh, was probably... Oh, is that what they're doing? Yeah, okay. That's probably true. Yeah, probably Miller Lite. Yes. So, cheers. Did you bring yours? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just cracked it open. Mmm. Tastes cool. like high school parties. <laughs> well, so, honestly, Chris, um, we were out here at Brian, who was my husband, who if you listen to the podcast, he's been on a few episodes... He was on the last Game of Thrones episode. Are you okay with all this? I mean, I'm soaking in rage right now, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, we'll just be honest. He's he's going to replace me. It's fine. No, he he can't. He can't stay awake long enough, Chris. That's okay. So, but for that, I'd be out of here. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but we are, it's Memorial Day weekend, and so we are actually at his aunt and uncle's lake house. So, I have been drinking all day by the lake, but we're going to keep drinking yeah. our Miller Lights. And I went to my neighbor's house, right. and I was drinking there. Yay! So that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> or just a cautionary tale. Uh, 
Well, I mean, this is a drinking movie, so. Okay, so first of all, we'll do, we like to do, we'll do a little, is it a game too? It can be. Okay. <laughs> we should do more games. Yeah. I love games. We've done them before. What are, the, what are some of the games we've done on this um, show? We did Fuck, Mary Kill. All right, I think that's the only one we've done. <laughs> I think we did uh, How Many Arachnophobes. <laughs> Oh, that counts. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what else we've been watching. So, Chris, what have you been watching? Well, I had to have a rebuttal to last week's, um, I'm sure, blockbuster episode since I wasn't on it. Um, the Game of Thrones episode. Okay, where, yes. I've been dying to hear your okay. thoughts. Well, if you didn't listen to that one, spoiler, massive spoiler alert. If you haven't watched Game of Thrones, much less the series finale. Right. Uh, but also, if you didn't listen to the last episode with Brian and Kristen... Which, I don't know, I guess why would you <laughs> watch the Game of Thrones show? Um, so anyway, I'll respond to their takes. So okay. to recap, um, Kristen seemed like sort of neutral positive on the finale. Like, i say that. Um, And uh, Brian thought it was just a... a horseshit? Horseshit. <laughs> he may have said that. Um, and then he kind of came back, it seemed, at the end. It looked like maybe I'll record the next day. Yeah. And put a little bit of positive spin on it and then got... Um, even more cynical somehow. <laughs> um, so I thought I'd respond to a few things. Um, first of all, uh, I think I'm more in in line with your in your thoughts on it. I thought it was a quote good episode of TV. Like however you measure that. Okay. Think about it in a bottle. That's amazing. Oh, I'm sorry, in a bubble, not a bottle. I mean, that's amazing. Our TV. If you think about it, you know, just conceptually and. You know the acting, the uh, the stakes, right. um, the way it's shot. I mean, it's it's just so well done. You can't really. I think it's some of the criticism of it kind of just is so dismissive of that. It's just all about what happens in this amazing product. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So well, I think that's kind of what Brian was talking about at the end before right. he got tired again. Yeah. Was that you can't really? <laughs> it's hard to just look back on it and think, oh. This happened, this happened, that happened, and not take into account the spectacle of it and the beauty of it and the directing and the acting and the, I mean, all of it. Right. So I guess my large take is I thought it was, you know, a good episode. It was not a great finale to that particular show. I sort of accept that. Um, there are things I was definitely disappointed in. Um, I, strangely enough, I was not disappointed in, like, say, the decision to have Bran be king. Okay. And I have thoughts on why that is. Uh, I was not disappointed in, say, how John kills Daenerys. I thought that was a great scene. Um, I I would have done it differently, though, based on your guys' conversation. I would have brought Arya in. Right. Um, can I tell you my, 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 my pitch? Yes. Here's what happens. Okay. Right. So you have the same buildup to that scene where John walks into the uh, throne room and mm-hmm. Daenerys is already there. It's okay. the same scene. Except John is Arya in disguise. What? So the same thing plays out. But does that mean that Arya would have had to kill John to take his face? No. Okay. Well, I thought I, I was thinking that she had to kill the person to take their face. Well, okay, that may be true. That's why I was thinking she would kill Grey Worm and take his face. Okay. In my theory, she's John, and but John's still alive. I'm not sure how she does it. Okay. It's just magic. I forgot about the fact that maybe they'd be dead. Is that is that a thing? That I'm is, not sure. Yeah. I don't know if it's established. Um, I don't know the rules of the House of the Dead. Well, let's, let's, but here's my theory. So she comes in and she does that, or maybe just Ariadne, and then she kills Danny, Danny thinking it's John the whole time, and then John walks in, <gasps> and then suddenly it's John and Arya that have this big conflict, and that carries out 
like the rest of the episode, and that's why Arya has to leave. Yes. And then that's why John goes north because it's just everything. Like his favorite sister has betrayed him. Arya's devastated by what she had to do against John. That's kind of set up in the first episode. Chris, that took my breath away. I thought it being good. Would he see himself as her or her? I don't know. I don't know what work it out. I, I worked this out as I was listening to your podcast on the way to work, okay. and then I had to get out and go do my job. <laughs> So that's as far as it went. But I got excited thinking about it. Um, that said, that that whole first um, half hour or so, you know, I thought that was really, really good. You know, and then of course the scene where Danny comes down the steps, the dragons behind her. Yeah, I mean that's just like you, know, you can't be so dismissive of a show that does that. That's right. sort of what I'm thinking of, you know. Right. Um, and then everything after that felt very sort of. Kind of like the 10 endings to the Return of the King. It kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Some of it was like, huh. And that's the stuff I think about later. I was like, okay, some of that's kind of silly. But the whole time I was thinking like, yeah, this is probably going to get killed on the internet. And there are definitely things on that I'm not even really, you know, into. But that's kind of my experience of last season as a whole. And then I was thinking like, well, why am I not so bugged by like, say, the brand decision? And I think it's because I didn't really care <laughs> necessarily who was going to be the king or on the Iron Throne. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew it would be somebody. As long as Cersei was defeated and things yeah, were... Yeah, maybe. Honestly, I've been fine with Cersei. I, I just, you know, I wanted to see how they did it versus okay. who, was, who was there. And I thought Bran was interesting and, like, um, you know, if you've read the you book... You think he had a putty face, like Bran said? That was so mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad for him. Um, and also, I think it's funny because, you know, that... That character does inspire such great memes, and you know, oh, yes. and this week did not disappoint <laughs> by far. Um, Wait, so you you were about to say you read the books, so right, and I and I also think why I was okay with Brands because if you're a book reader, you know, he's so much more present from the first first page on. He's the first chapter, of the first book is from his point of view, and it's much more devastating when he is crippled in the first book because there's so much about oh he can't be a lord and. His destiny is robbed from him um, oh. because, you know, he was like the, he was going to be the heir, I guess, after robbing them. Oh, I guess it's kind of like on that episode of Mad Men when uh, they bring in like a new manager or CEO type person, but then he gets his foot cut off in the lawnmower. Oh, yeah. Remember right. that? And yeah. then they're like, oh, poor guy. Now he can't do it. And it's like, I guess back then, you know, they, they didn't think of disability. This was in the 50s, let alone in the, the mystical medieval times that you couldn't still hold those roles because you were had a disability yeah yeah so that's my broad broad take there's definitely things else i was disappointed i guess generally with the last season as a whole Mm -hmm. for sure within that i thought the finale was at least you know a pretty good episode and now it's over and now we can all relax right i'd be curious to see i mean right now i know people are so furious at it like you look at the the star rating on like IMDb right. is like a five, right. which is ridiculous. I mean, right. like, I mean, that's in su- that's such a bubble of fan rage, you know. Right. So I'm curious how it's received in you know a few years. And I guess my last point is that like you know another reason why because I was wondering like why am I not so angry because I recognize all these criticisms and you know some of them are valid, but I think it is because like I'm, I've been burned so many times. Like my favorite favorite shows ever, like X Files, is a horrible ending, mm-hmm. or at least the first time. Um, I mean, well, the newest time wasn't so great either, but it wasn't as bad as the, the main ending, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and I don't really, I just don't really think about it. I just think about the X-Files that we know and love, you know? Yeah, uh, I mean, it, 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 and it is something that does seem very hard to end a mm-hmm. series the way that everybody likes. Yeah. So. so they gave it a shot. It's, it's nice that Elise is getting a little older now. We had a conversation the other day of 
oh my gosh, who is cuter, Jon Snow or Thor? And she was, and she said like, oh my gosh, I can't choose. Oh, she knows who Jon Snow is? Yes. How? Because I Google pictures of her. She came up behind me and I was Googling pictures of Jon Snow. <laughs> so she said that she would choose Jon Snow because he's uh, shorter. She likes that. That was do you, interesting. Do you watch the the Gay of Thrones? Yes. Uh, did you see the last one they did? No, I haven't. There's what's a great gag that you know. There's the scene where John's like in a dungeon over, and he's like just completely disheveled. Then on the show, they actually cut to him like emerging. And he's like you know completely. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> he's just so put together, and the, the Gay of Thrones had a lot of fun with that. That's like, funny. Were, oh my god. He did look amazing at the end. All right, so Chris, real quick before we get into Scream, I want to give an update for the people who listened to the last episode before the game of thrones was when we had my dad on oh the bonus episode yes sometimes john is better yeah well sometimes Kristen's dad's better i see yes and so he watched hereditary last night and called me today to talk about it do we have him on the phone (laughs) uh john no but he did say that he really liked it really yes did he uh compare it to the exorcist or he didn't think it was as bad like he was like getting himself ready and he was one he was like i don't know if i'm just like more desensitized or what but he didn't think it was as disturbing as the exorcist i think probably because like he had mentioned like the exorcist brings into like your faith and like your whole if you're a christian your whole basis of perhaps your life yeah. so i think there was less of that but he said he really enjoyed it he loved tony collette okay good he well, was so he was like how could people not recognize her for these acting awards? Well, he'll have to listen to her podcast. Yeah, I told him yeah. to. So last night he listened to uh, Spore Loose. Oh, he did? He listened to the Vanishing episode. <laughs> I thought that was a good one. Yeah. So and we're just talking about how great our podcast is on the podcast. <laughs> you have to cut that. So he is catching up on it, and so he is following us. This is great. So if you guys, too, we really want to get some more people involved. We got our first follower on our um, Facebook page. Sometimes... Groups are better. We got our first, like, outsider, you know, someone who's not our friend. So that was really cool. So we welcomed her. So you guys just go on Facebook and search Sometimes Groups Are Better and ask to join. And we talk about the movies. We have some really cool people on there. I don't know if you noticed my – you see my post I sent you the other day? Because you're still not on Facebook, which I understand. I'm not going to be. Okay. Did you see that he's now friends with Dale Midkiff? Oh, I did see that, yeah. Okay. I didn't understand it for the longest time, then I figured it out, yeah. <laughs> so come join our group, even though Chris is not on it. But you can talk to Chris through Twitter, at SometimesDead4. Yes. Uh, or on our Instagram, at SometimesDeadPodcast. If you can just send me screenshots of what's going on on it, that'd be fine. Okay, we'll do that. But I really like talking on the Facebook page, because that way we can post articles, we can post new trailers, and we talk about them. I had another friend recently who is was just hired to write a horror anthology that's like a horror comedy type thing. And so she was asking our advice on what horror comedies we like. So it's really fun. Oh, that'll be a good episode um, right now. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, And then also, if you don't want to talk to us, then just go on uh, in iTunes or Stitcher and just subscribe on iTunes. Just rate, review. That helps us out a lot. And that's it. So now let's get into Scream. So as I said earlier, and I think as we agree, um, this is a probably one of our favorite horror movies, yes. if not favorite movies. I it, think it also is like one of those things kind of like a, with the 80s movies that we talked about that they, because we watched them as kids. I mean, this was something that came out when we had said you were in high school. I was, uh, I think, yeah. an eighth grader. 
that's when we first started to get to watch scary movies. It was very exciting. Yeah, well, I mean, I was, I mean, I was watching them since I was like eight. So. That's true. This <laughs> um, is nineteen. Not to brag, not to brag, but yeah. So I remember this pretty vividly. I was in high school. I didn't get to see it in the theater. I don't know why. I don't think I wasn't allowed or anything. It just. But I remember everybody in high school talking about it, um, and I don't think I was spoiled. This is kind of before the idea of spoiler alerts, you know. But I do remember there being some big secret, and I think I kind of guessed that. Oh, it's that you know the Drew Barrymore kind of twist. But oh, you know, in the marketing, like you thought Drew Barrymore was like the main star. I remember that being a big thing. But I just remember it was kind of everywhere. So I remember you know finally when it came out on video, me and my sister rented it. Um, my sister was living at home with me and we watched it one night and she was like, Oh, I've heard about this one. I mean, and this is a big deal cause she doesn't watch scary movies. Oh, okay. And so we watched it together and, uh, and we were both just, you know, loved it. And I think this movie, uh, I'm curious. I think this is probably the most influential horror movie in a way, certainly of its time. And probably since say like Halloween or something like that. I mean, if you think about, you know, horror movies being influential, there's not many like this. Right. So I was looking at what other horror movies had come out around the same time. And this was like in 1996. And that was actually a really pretty good year for horror movies. You had The Craft. Remember that oh, one? Yes. Also, Neff Campbell. Yes. Also, uh, what's his face? The guy that plays um, fake, you know, fake Giant Up, as I call him. <laughs> Skeet? Skeet, yeah. He's in that, too. Um, oh, I don't remember that. But you also have from, I think you had like a minor part. But you have from Dussel Dawn. You have um, the Frighteners, which I don't really remember. I yeah, I texted you about that the other day. I, I want I liked that movie a lot. You know, that's Peter Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's about it, though. You had Jack Frost, which I remember. It's about a, a killer it's snowman. Michael Keaton. Yeah, it's a killer yeah. snowman. <laughs> <laughs> um, thinner, but there wasn't much. And then Screen comes out at the end of that year. Apparently, it's like a Christmas movie, and just you know, kind of blows it all away like for instance in 1995 there's nothing there's like no real good horror movies so for the last like five to ten years has it been like sequels or yeah, yeah. yeah kind of your standard fare i mean but 1996 generally you did have some good stuff but then when screen came out i mean that started this whole like new kind of wave of like horror movies i mean they're all kind of samey in a way and i don't think most of them were as good as screen right but you had like a whole genre something you had like a, you know what i call the i guess like teen horror comedies yeah, which yeah. isn't that different from what was before, but the what was different, I guess, was the sort of ironic kind of comedic angle on it, right? Which you know, some people, I think, some horror fans now, like true, like you know, pure horror fans, have a, you know maybe don't appreciate that as much. But watching Scream again, it's you know you can't deny how funny and great that movie is. Yeah, well, that, okay, so that's one of the things that. So when my friend was asking our Facebook group about what is it that you like about horror comedies. Like, what first came to mind to me was like, well, we like being scared. It's it's almost fun. Same way as a roller coaster or watching a scary movie. And so it seems like horror and comedy go together much easier than you'd think. Yeah, that's a good thought, yeah. But not like in a scary movie type way. I never liked right. those. Did you like those? I, no, I, I I think I saw the first one and I really disliked it. I thought it was just it's just so easy. It's hard to make fun of a comedy too, you know. So what's the point? The only part that I remember that still cracks me up was I think when finally like I guess it was Anna Ferris, right? Yeah. And whoever the guy was, the Skeet Oldrich type character, and they finally have sex. Wow, the cobwebs. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's the one thing that made me laugh too. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, it's a really funny scene. <laughs> so I do still... I thought about that during when I was watching Scream again. And I was like, I just want to watch that one scene. 
But yeah, um, so this is obviously a Wes Craven. Yeah, but so think it like, you know, back to the the movies that kind of came after it. Like, you had a no, I know what you did last summer. Right. You had um, The Faculty. I'm trying to think of other ones. Final Destination. Final Destination. Mm-hmm. In a way, you had a Halloween H2O, which was like a riff. It was a Halloween movie. Right. But it was that one that was like a teen. It was almost more of a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's like Josh Hartnett in or something. Right. Josh Hartnett. Yeah. See, so all these movies, I, I in my notes, I wrote down that it sort of combined the sensibility of like horror movies with like, say, Dawson's Creek or something. Well, which because, is, yeah. yeah. Should we go ahead and talk about that? Well, yeah, because so Kevin Williamson wrote Dawson's Creek. He yeah. wrote Scream first, so that makes perfect sense. Yeah. But, you know, looking back on it as a big cultural thing, that just hadn't been done before. And, yeah. of course, later on TV, like Buffy, things like that, which I think kind of, I'm sure Buffy's probably being done at the same time, but still it was kind of in that same vein. Well, the um, original Buffy movie would have come out before. Yeah, but that was much more kind of pure, almost like spoof, you know? Does it make sense? Like, yeah. The movie itself, I may, maybe I'm misjudging it, but it, 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 either way, it didn't have the same sort of kind of ironic take as Scream did. It's not one that's self aware. How about that? Yeah. That's, These that's, very super intellectual teenagers that, you know, talk a mile a minute that got, that gets made fun of now. But, you know, in the late 90s, that was kind of a, a thing, you know? Yeah. And also the, you know, one thing that Scream has above these other movies is that it was also genuinely scary. You know, I mean, I forgot how yes. gory this movie was. Like, yeah, it was, it's very scary. Um, it's got great kills. So good. Yeah. And then by the end, you know, it's just you know chaos. So the kills don't quite matter as much. You just kind of stab, stab, stab. <laughs> <laughs> but that you know, the first thing we'll talk about second. Um, you know, the Drew Barrymore kill is still so gruesome and so shocking to watch you know i mean obviously it opens with drew barrymore who especially at this point everybody knows yeah and um and i think the big you know i know this now because i googled last night but i was pretty sure that you know that was kind of the big twist you know was that you kind of assumed that drew barrymore was going to be the main star so you thought drew barrymore was going to be the main actress yeah i mean i don't think i I think by the time i watched it i kind of knew that that wasn't the case but i think that's kind of how it was marketed i mean she's even on the cover you know the original movie's cover um so that was kind of fun. It's kind of like the Janet Lee psycho thing. Yeah. You know, you think she's the main character, and oh no, it's you know all these other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I guess back then it was basically oh the main stars are the girl from Party of Five and <laughs> Skeet Ulrich, <laughs> all these unknown who of course are now as you know I say in all caps icons. Yes. <laughs> so what I was talking about when you because know, I think this is such an iconic movie. I'm curious how you first saw it and what like did you know all the twists and everything or no no i didn't see it in the movie theater but i know i must have seen it somewhere not at home though my mom didn't let me watch it or anything but i remember my mom bought it for christmas for us like maybe like christmas of like 98 or so that's nice yeah well let me finish so she got us the vhs right she takes the plastic off and we start watching it I remember we made it to through the scene of drew barrymore and she was like what the fuck did i buy you guys what did you think it was well, I, I know she knew it was a popular movie that we all kind of liked, but I don't think she realized how horrible it was. Mm. So we made it through, I think, to right about when Drew Barrymore was being murdered, and she took it out of the VHS player, and she took it back to the store, and I was very impressed. And I was like, but you took it out of the plastic. She's like, I don't care. I'm taking this shit back. <laughs> and so she took it back to the store. So I know I'd seen it before, somehow. Well, I'm actually curious about the that move. So, like, did she have something in his horror movies or... Aria movies or violence? Or? I think it was the violence. And and then watching it 
I mean, even recently, I was like, there. that is awful. I mean, you see the knife going in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's funny. Like, my parents would be similar, but it wouldn't be violence. It would be something that was, like, sexy or something. Right. Like, they wouldn't, I mean, they wouldn't love violence, but it wouldn't, like, they'd be fine. <laughs> but but no. it was the equivalent of that with, like, you know, sex. My mom like, took it back. So the the opening scene is also so scary because, I mean, being called on the phone. I don't know if uh, kids nowadays understand, like, being called on a landline. Yeah, and this is one of those scenes where I love in how it plays with, you know, those darn millennials, as they say. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the whole scene plays like a, it's kind of like a mini movie. You know, it's, yeah. I, I clocked, I, I pressed pause on it when it ended. It said 17 minutes. So that's a good chunk of the movie, if you think about it. You yeah, know, 17 sure. minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um so we have this opening where it's, you know, Drew Barrymore. I wonder how old she was then. I was wondering that too. I mean, she was She's the, supposed to be 17, yeah, but. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's, but she's, even among those actresses, she's the oldest actress, actor. I mean, she seems like an almost like an elder statesman at that point. Versus that that like, had to have been a wig, right? I never thought about that. A little blonde like, bob. I guess that's su- super cute, yeah. It was very cute. Yeah. That little sweater. <laughs> um and I, and I was watching it last night, um, and I just haven't seen it a lot. I, I, for some reason, I thought like she was like a a lady, like she lived by herself. <laughs> <laughs> See, when I started watching it, it was kind of like when I was watching Arachnophobia again, and like all the dialogue was coming to me before, like I just knew yeah. it, like it just, I just knew every single line, and I just, I must have seen it a lot. I don't remember. But it was kind of funny because like halfway through, I'm like, oh yeah, she's because I was trying to work that out. I'm like, oh, she's she's a teenager. <laughs> So I guess it was a, <laughs> she's a lady who lives at home. <laughs> yeah, I just thought she just lived by herself, you know, in this big house. And then I thought, Les, and why is this ghost face guy after her? My um, boyfriend is a, he's big and he's a football player. <laughs> well, that's why I thought, oh, okay. Um, it says 30 old Drew Barrymore. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so this is a, you know, a classic scene. It's, a, uh, I guess, a misdirect. I have no idea how it played in the theaters because it wasn't there. But anyway, so she, um, you have this character who gets a call at home on her landline. She takes a call every time. Right. <laughs> Doesn't just hang up. Um, although you kind of get this sense where she's almost too scared not to talk to him because right. she doesn't know where he is. So it makes a certain amount of sense because he says early on, "I'm, you know, I'm looking at you" or whatever he says. Well, and also I guess if you think back to then, your friends like to prank call you. There's that crank anchor show where they made prank calls. Prank calls were fun back then. Yeah, I always hated them. Me too. And so she probably thinks it's someone from school or something. And then um, there is one nice jab about the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. That I forgot about that. That was very cute. Yeah. So he says, like, she says that she likes Freddy Krueger and the Nightmare on Elm Street. But then he, she says the first one was good, but the rest sucked. But it's kind of the first clue, like, oh, this movie is a movie about movies? Like, they're actually kind of, like, talking about... Acknowledging you know, movies, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of, like... One of those things where I wonder, like, you know, seeing it for the first time, know nothing about it, like, what that's like. Like, oh, this is kind of like a different take on this, you know? Well, yeah. And then that is more, probably one of the most famous things. Do you like scary movies? Do you want to play a game? Being called on the phone. And then it starts to get real whenever he says, I want to know who I'm looking at. And that's right. still, I was like, ooh. I, I'm asking a hundred times. Yeah. And I was well, like. Let me ask you this. Is, so, because I have an answer. So, is the voice on the phone today to you scary no it sounded like a telemarketer (laughs) he really does i can't remember it ever being scary like the voice like just as the voice you know yeah and i I actually i was looking when i was looking through imdb like it's like credited as like some voice actor right and he's like in all the screen movies yeah and it's like well so i don't know if it's just because it's so clearly the voice of scream 
Like, so it's just not scary because it's like iconic. Or oh, if it, maybe. Or if it just was never. I mean, it sounds just like a nerdy guy on the. <laughs> maybe <laughs> uh, that makes it scary. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really bother me. It's just kind of funny. Like, oh, that's like really not a very scary voice. But maybe. yeah, but, but Drew Braymar does play it very well. She's obviously very scared. And I do like the other line whenever he says, turn the patio light back on. As in, like, she, he knew. So you know that she's actually being watched, mm-hmm. you know? And that. That all that was very good, and then they actually got her boyfriend. And it's like, oh, okay, what is happening? Right. Which the logics of it, the logic of it, I always wonder. Well, once you know the secret of it, that there's actual two killers, I guess it does make more sense. Right, uh, but there, at this one, only one was there because uh, Matthew Lillard had a alibi with his girlfriend Tatum. Oh, so there was only one there. Okay, because yeah. I was trying to figure that out too. And then, because there's another line, we're just going to get right into it, aren't we? This is what we do. Yeah, people have seen this movie. It's okay. Okay. Because later, whenever they're all at the iconic water fountain, they're all there together. You know, they're like saying like, well, saying to Matthew Lillard, or maybe you did it. Maybe you're the killer. And he's like, I didn't kill anybody. And Ski Ulrich says like, we know you didn't. And it's just more like they're looking at each other. It's like because Skeet was the one who killed those guys. I didn't miss that entirely. Because Tatum says he was with me the whole night. So he has an alibi. And then that's so Skeet Ulrich was the one who was there. He killed them and then went over to. So I guess the idea is is that Matthew Lillard says he's a date, Drew Barrymore's character. Right. So Skeet Ulrich kills her for him (laughs) just because, you know. Maybe. Yeah, not that I need to get into the logic of it. Um, it just, it just, I was, I did kind of wonder, like, did they explain like why she died? But anyway, that's a very effective scene where, um, you know, Drew Barrymore's, you know, she's escaped to hell. She's being chased by so scary. the guy. He gets her, and then you see her, you know, her parents are pulling, are pulling up. up, and then I'm like, oh, she has a parent. She's not a 38 year old lady. And th- I forgot about that scene where like they try and call 911. Yes, and she's still on the phone. Yeah, and the they can hear. Can hear. Yes, oh so good, gosh. so good. And then you have the last scene where, and I just forgot how freaking gruesome it is, but mm-hmm. she's hanging from the tree. Hello, and it looks like her, you know, her guts are out or something. Yeah, it's, and, and the way that you know it's kind of almost like a flash uh, effect. Yeah, well, it zooms on her really yeah. fast. So you don't yeah. quite see it. You probably yeah. imagine more than you see. But it's a uh, it's super scary for a. Uh, horror comedy <laughs> yeah and then it starts and you're like yeah. okay well yeah but then so we cut to nev campbell yeah so i guess we should just talk about this this cast right okay like who's in this thing okay so drew barrymore's dead yeah so then we cut to nev campbell who uh, what is her acting style I, I read somewhere um actually someone tweeted today unrelated to scream but he's he's um tweeted um i miss uh those 90s movies that used to just um, where people would just make movies around Neff Campbell being angry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she just, how did she become who she was? I don't know. It's just very interesting. Party five. I know, but what is with her acting and her stilted sort of talking that just kept getting her roles? I don't get it. I don't know, but I don't like, it sounds like you're being kind of negative. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I love Party okay. Five. Party Five was a really big show for me it, it especially when i was in eighth grade and i was very sad and I, so i would tape it on wednesday nights and then um, my brother would come home from being with his friends and we would watch it together Aww. and it was very special so i love party of five what else was she in i mean not to I mean, all the craft okay so the craft was probably her first big movie and then she did scream right um and then 
she did a few other things, but and that's then she was she... in Mad Men on one episode. Remember? Right. She was like, that, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, she pops she's up. Sydney Prescott. Yes. <laughs> um, so she plays. You know, her character is a little bit cliched. The sort of you know, her one of her parents is dead, and she has that sort of baggage on it, and that's kind of her whole story. <laughs> but you know, she plays it well. And, she's a virgin. Yeah, she's a virgin. <laughs> Um, although that seems kind of... We'll have to talk about it later. Okay. The sexual politics of this movie are kind of interesting. Okay. Um, so we have Nev Campbell. Um, we also have uh, in her probably debut or one of her first movies is Rose McGowan. Yeah, it's got to be. She's very... she Now she looks young. Yeah. I didn't know that she had dyed her hair for that movie. Oh. Her hair's not blonde. Okay. I mean, I just assumed that her black hair was dyed or something, but her, her, she dyed her hair for the movie so she would look, look like Nev Campbell. Isn't that nice? <laughs> And I read online that this is her favorite working set ever. Oh, okay. So that's nice. It must have a good time. So we have her up in there. We have um, Skeet Ulrich. Uh-huh. Who um, I can I can never not think about him without thinking about Chris Rock's joke where he was introducing Johnny Depp at like the 1998 Movie Awards. And he says, ladies and gentlemen, the rich man Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, what a burn. And 20 years later, I can't stop thinking about how mean that is. <laughs> But, I mean, he was cast because it looked like Johnny Depp. Oh, really? Yes. Wes Craven thought, oh, it looks like Johnny Depp from my movie, Nightmare right. on Street. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's where they got that scene where he walk, you know, crawls in the window. That's yeah. the same thing that Johnny Depp yeah. does. Uh, so, I guess that's fair. <laughs> well, I thought he was super hot. Did you really? Yes. That was my guy. That was my kind of guy, you know? He's good, he's good in the movie, yeah. I just can't take that character or that. Oh, I can take the character more seriously than the actor, I guess. And that sounds mean, but it just, it's just, it's such a 90s. I just look at it's like watching like a 90s Team Bop poster come to life. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's just so, and I, I love all that, but I can't, you know, I, I don't find him necessarily attractive or anything like that. I just, his name is Skeet. Um, um, but also we have Matthew uh, Lillard. Matthew Lillard, yeah. You know, he's in the new Twin Peaks show. Oh, I saw that. 20 years later, yeah. And I remember thinking, like, how did he see, like, 40 now? And then I was, oh, screamed, like, 20 years ago. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. I know. So. Like, I, I saw him. The last thing I saw him in was The, the Descendants, you know, that George Clooney movie. Yeah. He showed up, and he looked so old. And I was like, how is he old? And it's like, oh, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm old, too. I'm sure he was probably in his late 20s when he did Scream, too. So. Oh, he, right. He'd be, like, 60 now, probably. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, he seems like he's been working regularly. I, I thought he was... So good in this. Yeah. He's so funny. Then we also have uh, Jamie Kennedy, who um, I can't think of any other movie I've really seen him in other than the, the Scream movies, but I know he's in other stuff. Right. And then yeah. he has on TV show. I yeah. don't quite understand it. But, um, you get an X in your face. He's it's perfect. Jamie Kennedy experiment, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. But he's perfect in this. He's, he's just that character. Yeah. He's good. So. That's the main four. Right. And then there's uh, Courtney Cox. Oh, right. Yeah. Courtney Cox. Legend. Yes. This is a couple years after, well, I guess she's probably about a year into Friends if they were right. filming at 95. And she said she wanted to play someone mean so she wouldn't be typecast as Monica. Oh, okay. I was like, sweetie. <laughs> Just hang out with your friend. You don't know what you're in for. <laughs> um, and then, you know, and I can't think of Arquette. What's his name? David Arquette. David Arquette, yeah. And that was my guy when I was there. That's how weird I am. <laughs> I thought he was so handsome. <laughs> Did you like that he was like sweet? 
Yeah, yeah, that mustache. Uh-huh. I, just thought was, I just thought he was so cute. I couldn't help it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's adorable. Yeah, I was like, you know, I just wanted to be Corny Cox and wanted to just run away with him. <laughs> or, or you can have your Billy. <laughs> I'll take Billy. Your age-appropriate teenage boyfriend. Oh, my gosh. And they're all, you know, they all, and Corny Cox and him met and fell in love on set. That's right. So that's a nice story. Yeah, and then for a while she was Courtney Cox Arquette, and then oh, she right. wasn't anymore. Yeah. Remember they had a Coke commercial together? Remember that? No. It's very cute. And they got divorced. But I'm sure it was an amicable divorce. Sure. Remember that show they did together, Dirt? Yeah, I love that, that was, movie. That was a good show. I love yeah. that show. Yeah. yeah. It was It was like, it was uh, hardcore. It was sexy. So in Neb Campbell's room, she has an Indigo Girls poster. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. All kinds of teen things. Yes. Yeah, those teens love the Indigo Girls. She is very into the computer. <laughs> right. She's typing away. I was waiting for her to order a pizza on there like the net. <laughs> the net. Oh, my God. I love that movie. <laughs> Look what I can do. Send. <laughs> and then remember when she turned on the fireplace? On her, so it made it look like there she was, was a such fireplace. A, a, yeah. That's what, that movie, we need to do that. But she was all, almost like boasting all the things she can do with her computer. Right. Like, I can order pizza. We are talking about the millennials and how they wouldn't relate to this movie, but you still can't text 911 or get on your computer and talk to 911 like that. So that's pretty ahead of its time. I was actually wondering about that. Yeah. I was like, can I do that? Because like, you can't text 911. No. This seems like a flaw. I know. Well, maybe you can. Listeners, talk to us. Let us know. Uh, Ski Ulrich climbed into her bedroom. Oh, right. And then so we get the whole dynamic of them. So like, he's horny. As fuck, I guess. Uh, it's really gross. But he's half serious. Yes. It's kind of... He, 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 she calls it her underwear rule, which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah. And that just lit up my imagination. Cause... <laughs> well, he says he wants to do some over-the-clothes stuff. Right? Yeah, but he doesn't because he immediately goes under the clothes. But then it's also like she, she says, thank you for this romantic gesture. And I think that a lot of like what I thought guys were supposed to do stemmed from this like i thought that that was a good thing like so that maybe like mess you up i (laughs) I don't think you know i don't think they have much chemistry together really i don't get it i don't get the idea that she even likes him i know at all (laughs) just based on her general you know look at disgust when he enters the frame every single moment right and you also have that great talk in the bedroom about the, um, you know, the PG-13 rule mm-hmm. or the, the various rating system. I'm not sure how well that plays today. It kind of made me groan a little bit. Well, yeah, because then he calls her a tease and you're like, but no. You, that- yeah, you crawl through her window. What are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, so then, then we have the first big scare on Sydney. So she has the house all to herself. Right, her dad has gone out of town. Yeah, her dad's gone out of town. And then, uh, you know, she's waiting on her friend, uh, Rose McGowan, <laughs> to, um, to come pick her up. They're going to rent all the right moves. Right, because you can maybe see Tom Cruise's penis. Yeah. Is that true? Somehow I know that. I don't know if I know that from a scream or because I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love that detail of, like, you can rent something and, like, you know, pause it. And, yes. you know, like, uh, it's just... You know, we're going to go rent a movie. And, you know, again, nostalgia. Yes. Um, and then she gets a call from, you know, Mr. Killer. And you have kind of a similar scene to the first scene. But then you're one of the cool things about it is like, oh, you kind of realize, I guess, that Sydney is somehow maybe a little bit smarter than Drew right. Barrymore. Who, or like, she's definitely, I mean, yeah, she's a, she's, you're already going to get the uh, idea that she's a bit of a badass. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's or a she's, great, I mean, I guess you could say that. I mean, she's not being smart about things, but then again, I mean, she's she's being tough. She's opening the door, going outside, and kind of 
But yeah, so she has that great line where he's like, do you like horror movies? She's like, well, what's the point? It's just, you know, a big-breasted right. woman running up the stairs when she should be running out the front door. Da, 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 da. And they actually played that. I remember they played that line in the trailer, and they cut it against scenes from the movie of them doing the, the exact thing she's talking about, right. which is always kind of cool. Yeah. And I remember that being like, oh, okay. Like, even the trailer, like, oh, this movie is going to be, like, different. I get it. And it was. <laughs> And the thing that still freaked me out, though, even last night, it just bugs me, is when he tells her that, you know, I'm on your porch or whatever. And she actually goes out, unlocks the porch, walks out and says, you know, I call your bluff. I don't think I'd be able to do that. I don't think I could either. I would be crying in a corner, even (laughs) if if, just thinking if he was there. At first, she thinks it's her friend Randy, which would be pretty shitty to do. Yeah, Randy's an awful friend, apparently. But she kind of think it's thinking it's funny, but it's like, well, her mom was murdered a year ago. This girl was just murdered at school, but she's still kind of taking it kind of lightly. But yeah, then she kind of, she tries to call his bluff and then she's actually attacked. Those scenes always wonder, like, is he really trying to kill her? Or at that point, I don't think her? so. Yeah, because just... then they have the whole setup where then Billy comes back through the window and drops the cell phone and they're setting it up on purpose. Well, so that way Billy will get arrested and then he can be cleared. Oh, okay. Which was very smart, I guess. But I do like that right away, Sydney is just like, get away from me to Billy. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no like, oh, this is my boyfriend. I love him. She's like, no, fuck you. Go to jail. And she automatically uh, fingers him and is worried, which I thought that was good. So what do we think about the, the, the boys in this movie? I mean, are they kind of just... A bunch of creeps or what? I mean, like, I, I, looking at this now, like 20 years later, and the whole sort of Me Too lens, and then it's inescapable. Also, Rose McGowan's up in this piece. <laughs> so, like, how do we deal with that? Like, like Billy? Yeah, like Billy. Is he just a, I mean, like, aside from him actually being a killer, <laughs> but leaving that aside, I mean, he's he just, a creep. He's a creep. Yeah. Why? Well, also because she, I remember at some point she's talking to Rose McGowan and she's saying, like, no, he's being very patient with me. He's, we're taking it very slow. And it's like, well, okay, he should. Like, But she's looking at that as like something that he's going above and beyond. Yeah. Um, and like some flaw in her character. Right. Whenever not only should she take as much time as she wants being a teenage girl, but you take into the fact that her mother was raped and murdered and she found her. So then she goes to Tatum's house to spend the night. And then we kind of realize that Tatum and um, your boy, David Arquette, our brother and sister. I think it looks even hotter in part two. Which is very <laughs> cute. <laughs> well, they get a phone call from the killer while Billy is in jail. And so that's why they think that he's not the killer and they let him go. Yeah. I do remember watching that when I was a teenager thinking so smart, thinking I was so smart because I remember thinking, but he gets one phone call. Right. Like, and But I think you're supposed to. And even she kind of figures that out. But then it's like, it doesn't really matter anyway because there's two killers anyway. Yeah. Which is very interesting. But also the way that... Um, it's kind of funny watching the film, watching, I guess, Wes Craven or whoever introduce all these red earrings. So you also get the vibe that maybe Dewey is calling her because he's in the next room and he oh. kind of runs out and he's like sort of, you know, he looks kind of flustered. I never thought about Dewey oh. being involved. I mean, I guess you think at least the first time because you think everybody's supposed to be involved. Right. So the idea is he's in the next room. He's the caller. He's not in that scene. That if that, If it was like a... Um a TV show of Law and Order or Bones or something, that's what it would be Dewey. But there's never been a time where it's this, the guy is uh, arrested and they have the wrong guy and they let him go. And then it 
turns out to still be that guy. Well, it's so I, good. I, I don't know though, because remember uh, when they're in the video store and uh-huh. you know uh, Jamie Kennedy, uh, what's his name? Uh, Stanley? No, uh, Brandy. Brandy. Yeah, <laughs> Stanley. <laughs> I think Matthew Lillard says something like, "Well, you know, he was in jail. He's not a killer." And Randy goes, "Oh, that's a classic." You know, he basically calls it out. He goes, "That's what they're basically saying. That's what they want you to think. It's a oh. classic uh, misdirect or right. something." And then it's going to be him at the end of the movie, and that's exactly what happens. Oh, it's so good, Chris. Mm-hmm. Golly, so good. And then so, but then Billy gets out of jail, and then she's back at school, and he runs. She runs into him again. And he's like, "Why would you have sex with me?" <laughs> <laughs> and she, he even tells her to her face, "When are you going to get over your mom's death?" I mean, that clearly didn't go well. And then she's attacked at school. And they let school out. And then what, Chris? School's <laughs> out for summer. Okay, so let's talk about that. So is the guy that attacks her in the bathroom the actual killer? Because they find out the mask is sold at Halloween stores. Right. Way. So, yeah, it could have been either way. Because it makes no, like, you know, because the whole, the one thing that does bug me on the movie, unless you think it's just a bunch of random pranksters, it's like, what, the killer's running around a grocery store in the, in the mask? Oh, right. Like, he just, they don't see him. Like, oh, my God, that makes more sense when you think about it. It's just a bunch of, like, yeah. people going around yeah. with the mask. Because otherwise, he's clearly not going to kill in a grocery store. Right. But he, he felt like just, like, running by in his full mask. And and then you yeah. see him, like, in the bushes. And he's like, what, he's going to, like, you know, that type of thing. It's obviously just for the camera to scare the viewer. Yeah, that's kind of like, that reminds me of The Strangers, which I love that movie. I think it's a great movie. But there's scenes where, like... The guy's behind Liv Tyler with the mask. You see the mask. He's kind of slowly walking. But there's no reason for him to be there. Right. Like, it's just scary. But it's, like, doubly arbitrary when in the grocery store. Right. <laughs> when he's, like, on aisle five. <laughs> and, like, you think someone's like, what's that guy doing? Like, he's... Uh, it, so th- yeah, that makes sense that maybe a lot of people are... Yeah, just someone yeah. running around. Uh, so, Henry Winkler is the principal. Yeah, I never got why they killed him. Just It seemed kind of spiteful. If you were if you were a cold blooded killer in high school, maybe you'd want to kill your yeah. principal. But that was the first time I'd seen Henry Winkler like in a modern role. I can't think of anything until he was in like Arrested Development, you know, and stuff like that. So I always remember that being like, "Hey, I know that guy." Oh, do you watch Happy Days? Yeah, I, I watched the reruns with my sister. We like to watch Happy Days. I, it's still pretty funny when they had the Freddy cameo, like the Freddy Krueger. You know who that is. Wes Craven. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Until last night. Well, I just, I thought it was him. I reckon. I, uh, and then I looked it up and it was. So that's pretty cool. That's really funny. And then Fred, uh, yeah. he gets killed. Yeah. And that's a, that's a pretty good kill too with the, you know, the ghost face coming over his eyeball. Yes. Did you know, uh, one thing I didn't catch is uh, the screen mask, like people call him ghost face. Right. But the name of the mask is actually Father Death. Why? Like you can, well, you see it on the um, little package oh. they have. I make all these hand gestures as people can see it. <laughs> um, but the ghost face comes from Rose McGowan. She calls him Mr. Ghostface oh. in the garage. So that's where that comes from. Ro- Rose McGowan has some good lines. Like, I didn't realize that looking back. There's one point, like, so after all this happens, do you remember when she, like, she mentions, like, the Richard Gere gerbil thing? thing? Yeah. And then she also says, she calls it a, a Wes Carpenter flick. Yeah. She's... That's great. There's so many little things in there. Yeah. I think my favorite line of hers is like, what am I, the beer winch? Right. <laughs> oh, and her nipples. That's so great. And then I, I, I love the shots in the video store. I think when maybe when Brian was on the episode, he said he would just love a super cut of all the 80s and 90s movies when they're in a video store. It's just, it feels so good. Yeah. 
And they also mentioned some other war movies. They mentioned The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Yeah, which has a deep cut. I haven't even seen that one. Yeah. And so the new the girl that joined our Facebook group, that was one of her favorite movies. So we need to watch that. Okay. Yeah, I think There's, I saw in one of the um Both of them are. The, the, the 56, like 1956 one and the remake. They're both on Amazon, I think. So we should definitely look into that. They also mentioned I Spit on Your Grave. Oh, because she says I Spit on Your Garage. Yeah. What is this? I Spit on Your Garage? Yeah. So good, Chris. We're just going to talk about, like, we're not even making sense anymore. We're just talking about how much we love the movie. Well, we're specifically talking about how much we love Rose McGowan, apparently. <laughs> okay, well, let's get back into the, the plot that was. So, I guess so, yeah, so the plot is that kind of just going by kills, right? I mean. Well, there, so I always thought this was a great idea. If there's a killer on the loose, you have a big party. You're all together. You're safe. Yeah, the, but also, one thing that doesn't make sense is, like, so we have a bunch of people getting killed in their homes, right? So what they decide to do is have a curfew. Well, that doesn't make, that doesn't do anything. They're getting killed in their homes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I were to kill them, I'd great. They're <laughs> they're all in their houses. <laughs> just where I need them. <laughs> um, so that kind of you know. I'll watch think all, about that. Well, it doesn't make sense. Perfect movie though. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they have a. Um, you're right. They decide to have a, a giant party. I guess it's because school's been canceled. Is the right. idea less so that it, there's murders, but. They kind of combine the two events because they're watching horror movies. Right. And I do think it's funny that when the video store, Jamie said, or Jamie, Randy says they've had a run on slasher movies right. because of the murders, right. <laughs> which is, I don't know if that's a thing. I mean, nobody really seems to care about Drew Barrymore. No one seems to be friends with her. You know, kind of talking about like our episode when we talked about Twin Peaks. Yeah. And, you know, Laura Palmer. That's what I thought about, yeah. Like, the desk. everybody was very upset and devastated. But they have the same shot where Nev Campbell looks at the desk, you know. Yeah. Except when Nev Campbell, she's like, huh? <laughs> she's like, mm. Yeah. Sucks for her. Yeah, lead billing for me. Is it like a huge school or something? I don't know. It's like nobody seems to really care that this this poor girl was murdered. Yeah, I mean, she looked like she'd be really popular. She was dating the, the football guy. Yeah, she's got um, a blonde bob. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because everybody knew everything the next morning before before school started. Like, all the news is out. And it's like, how does that happen? But Well, yeah, and then I, I thought it was interesting when Tatum, who's Rose McGowan, was telling Nev Campbell everything that happened. Like, she had all the facts right. There wasn't anything that was, you know, blown out of proportion or he called her on the phone and then she was strung up with her guts out. Her mom found her. Like, all of it was like what actually happened. Yeah. It seemed like in that corner, sort of scenario, when you have all those news cameras there, it would be all kinds of crazy information. But they seem to got the facts right. Yeah, that's kind of, I think you may call that a plot hole these days because there's just be no way she would know that. The police wouldn't even know all that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> unless um, she was there. Unless Rose McGowan was the killer. Yeah, but you kind of get a sense that they all knew that, except for apparently Neff Campbell, who just woke up too late or something. <laughs> she took a uh, big nap. But yeah, so the I guess we should kind of talk about the party scene, which takes up the last, what, half of the movie, probably? Yeah. Um, so we have a big party. It's at Stu's house. Stu being Matthew, Matthew Lillard. Lillard. They all seem to live out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. They're having a party. They're drinking. And Dewey shows up to protect everybody, and he brings Courtney Cox. Famous TV reporter. Gail Weathers. Yeah, and we won't even talk about the whole thing about... You know, her protecting the guy that's sitting accused. It's just kind of, you know, boring. Yeah, who's played by Liev Shriver. Yeah, which, so, you know, he's a big character in Scream 2 and Scream right. 3. So do they know that, is that just a coincidence that, like, they just happen to hire this, you know, bit player to be the guy on the TV that's playing the killer, and he actually, they just hired him again for Scream 2? Or do they know they're going to use him? 
That's a good question. I mean, if you're going to hire Leo Schreiber, I mean, why not? Yeah. I did read that when Wes Craven turned in his, I'm sorry, Matt, what's this guy? What's the guy that wrote? Kevin Williamson. Kevin Williamson. When he turned in his screenplay for Screen, he had like a five page outline of Screen 2 at the end. Oh, just wow. As, you know, like as a, like, hey, this is serious. So maybe. Well, that's probably how, maybe how they got it. Yeah. Leo. Maybe he had that whole thing planned. Gail Weathers and Neb Campbell have a. I can't wait to watch Screen 2, by the way. I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. That, that's the it starts with Jada Pinkett Smith, yeah. right? Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. Okay. Like advertising. Are we gonna have to do like a like a bonus episode? Maybe? I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm so excited. I saw that one in theater though, because um, I was you know a big fan by that point. I don't think I did that I either. Sold out. Really? Yeah. Courtney Cox is so good. She is really good. I like her kind of feathered hair, or not feathered, but she definitely has streaks in it, right? Yeah, it's so '90s. So that wouldn't work now, I guess. No. Mm. And then I, I saw a tweet the other day that said something about, like, I've had a really bad day, but at least I don't have Courtney Cox pinks for Scream 2. Remember how she has those really short, like, pixie pinks? <laughs> <laughs> and I think Courtney Cox resp- replied to that tweet. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I love her. Yeah, and she, like, she and uh, Dewey in this, like, they actually have good chemistry. They well, do. no wonder. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they want to. Fuck. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> but like, you know, you compare that to like Nev Campbell and you know, <laughs> fucking Billy or <laughs> Ski, yeah, just nothing. So yeah, you know, they're the party, and that's where you know the, the majority of the rest of the kills happen. So should we talk about the Rose McGowan kill? Because that's kind of yes. There's a lot to talk about there. Yes. So Rose McGowan is the beer witch. Yeah, she's going to get some beer, which is where I got the idea for these bottled. See, I even get the cans for a snack. You know, I yeah, got the bottles because that's what you're drinking. Have to break. Yeah, yeah. I get it. And she thinks she's safe. And she's got those boobs out. Which clearly, I mean, that's on purpose. That's yeah. not just Rose McGowan. Her because, nipples? Yeah. Because Gotta be. On purpose? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they're, at that point, they're they're commenting on the fact that-, that Big-breasted that, women yes, yeah, yeah, get okay. murdered in horror Just making sure we're clear on that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But yes. And then so she, she runs into a ghost face and she thinks it's a joke again. Yeah. And she introduces the name, Mr. Ghostface. Which would be thinking be funnier if people called him Mr. Ghostface. <laughs> and so, I mean, do we agree that she has the best death or not? It's pretty good. And I'm mostly, um, I have a lot of thoughts on it because I was wondering, can I fit through my cat door? So <laughs> and also, could the garage door hold that much weight? But yeah, that, that was always kind of my criticism, criticism of it. And I'm still unclear on how exactly it snapped her neck. I guess she kind of got caught in between. It's still, you know, it's very effective because, like, I don't want that to happen to me. No. Um, what also reminded me of uh, Speed. Remember the end of Speed? When he gets caught in the garage door. And <laughs> <laughs> Counter raises on top of the train. Oh, right. And he pushes Dennis Hopper up, and Dennis Hopper's head gets cut off. Did you hear? Did you see that on uh, the Ellen show where Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock both, both admitted? Yes. How fake is that? <laughs> Heartless. I know. I just, I just don't buy that. I think Sandra Bullock may have had a crush on Keanu. I don't think Keanu. <laughs> I love Keanu so much. I, I love him more than anything, but he did not, he did not have a crush on Sandra Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so then, so Tatum. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. And then Skeet shows up, and so Nev Campbell takes him upstairs to talk. Right. Talk. And I, I just I just I just do not buy that sex scene. They just don't make chemistry. And I just don't think that like at that moment it serves a story well. It serves the story. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Nev Campbell was bad in this movie. Is that possible? <laughs> I don't 
don't know. I would never say. I think it's too easy to say that Nev Campbell's not a good actress. Like, yeah. there's something to her that's very interesting. So I would never say that she's a bad actress. She's just, she's a very unique person. Yeah, like, I, I guess, I, and I wonder, are we supposed to even think, like, she's into it? Like, I have all these questions when I'm watching it. Like, it just doesn't seem like she even wants to be going through that. Well, then maybe also she feels like she's been chased. Her mother was murdered. Maybe she's just thinking, like, hey, let's just let's go ahead and do this. Get it over with. Maybe I'm going to die tomorrow. You know, maybe she's just thinking of it like that. Well, that makes, yeah, that makes a certain amount of sense. I can do that. I can deal with that. Okay. Yeah. So they have sex. <laughs> yes. And then it's, and then, so then we get to the great scene of Jamie Kennedy explaining the rules right. of horror yeah, movies. Yeah. They contrast that with uh, yes. her, her having sex. So, and Courtney Cox is uh, filming it right. from the van. And, and most importantly, the movie that watching, well, not most importantly, but importantly, the movie they're watching is, you know, Halloween. Yes. And basically they're kind of cribbing the music from Halloween to almost make their own movie even 10% scarier. Cause that movie is still so creepy. Yeah. And the music, they kind of play off of it a little bit. But yeah. So what are the rules about horror movies? You can't have sex. You can no. never have sex. Right. You can't drink or do drugs. You never say, I'll be right back. Also, which they kind of played on in the second one. They didn't, they didn't bring up the fact of you can't be black. That's kind of like a... That's probably the second one. Well, because Jada Pickett-Smith is the first one to oh, die. Oh, oh, I didn't think about that. Okay. Yeah. But that's that has become kind of a trope. Yeah, that this the, movie has no black characters no at all. There's no black people yeah. at all. Yeah. All right, so Courtney Cox and Dewey... They Are on go, the case. Yeah. Yes, they go and investigate a car, and they find out that the car is Nev Campbell's dad, because apparently he's been a suspect because they can't find him. Um, and in the meantime, I guess... Oh, they, um, they find out that... Henry Winkler, the pre- the principal, has been murdered yeah. and strung up. And so everybody goes to drive, go look. Yeah, they just love that. Yeah. yeah. And so everybody leaves. And so they leave Jamie Kennedy. And it's just like the our core people left. After Billy and Sydney have sex, Billy gets, you know, quote, killed. Um, it's staged, you know, as we learn. But, right. you know, the ghost face comes behind him, stabs him. So then you think, okay, it's definitely not... Billy, and that's also right before that is when Neff Campbell has a conversation where she's still a little suspicious because she figures out you might have used my phone call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's a little bit hurt, but then he gets stabbed or fake stabbed, right? And she, there's a big fight, you know, and you know, running through the house and ends up her thrown out the window. So meanwhile, you know, all that's happening. You have the van, I guess that Neff Campbell's running to, and inside the van is the um, Courtney Cox's assistant. He's watching. The live proceedings from the house. You have Randy all by himself watching the Halloween. But oh, you forget there's a 30 second delay. And then you see Ghostface, the killer, coming behind Randy as he's watching Halloween. As on Halloween, Michael Myers is coming behind Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, that is so. So Jamie Kennedy is saying, turn around. And then they're in the van saying, turn around, kid. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's super... It's great. It's super well done. Also, I read that in that scene, that's actually Skeet Ulrich playing the guy. He wanted to play the killer in the mask at least once in the movie. Usually he's a stunt person. Right. So they gave him that scene. So, yeah. I'm so, sure that mask, is, that, it's all greasy now because of his hair. <laughs> right, that, that suit is ruined. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, so this person says, what happened? <laughs> Skeet wore that one. <laughs> Well, so, 
So then, <laughs> I take his ring. <laughs> he opens the door and gets stab, stab, stab. Yes, <laughs> and slits his leg. Right. That's very scary when she has to crawl out through the van. Right, and so you're kind of while that's happening, you have this, you know, the scene happening with Corny Cox, you know, and, and Dewey. Corny Cox is in the van, almost runs over Neville Campbell. That's pretty right. frightening. Crashes it immediately. Right. <laughs> so then you have um, poor Dewey emerging from the house. He's been stabbed. Uh-huh. And I was upset to learn that he was supposed to have died. <gasps> Did you know that? No. No. That was supposed to be his actual death scene. And in fact, if you, the scenes later where, you know, Corny Cox falls on him, he's actually not breathing. They make a point to show that he's dead, dead, dead. Oh. Um, but he's such a fan favorite that Wes Craven decided. Because Chris Doney was writing in so many letters. <laughs> Before this film comes out. Um, you now, Wes Craven had an idea that people would like him. Yes. So they shot one scene where he lives, just and oh, kept in his pocket. okay. And ended up using it after, like, some test audience, you know, went crazy when he got killed. Right. But anyway, so um, Nev Campbell watches this. There's a great scene in the police car where Nev Campbell's stuck in the police car. Yes. And, and he has the keys. It kind of reminds me of Jurassic Park a little bit. <laughs> Just like it. <laughs> and then they, you know, run back in the house and there's, you know, just chaos. And then you kind of get to the the main kind of reveal, right? Is that kind of about sum it up, you know? Well, yeah, because Skeet comes back down the stairs. Right. He's and, alive, yeah. Right. And then he gets the gun from her and then lets Matthew Jamie Kennedy Lillard in. And, and Matthew Lillard, right? They're both out there, right? Yes. Because yeah. they're both fighting about who is the killer or right. whatever. Skeet Ulrich gets a gun from Sydney, right? And points at Jamie Kennedy and shoots him, I guess, like in the shoulder or something, right? And then, you know, with a menacing look, you know, like as soon as he looks at him, like you're like, oh no, he gives a very evil look, okay? And then, yeah, so then Matthew Willard comes in and then they yeah. kind of explain their whole plan, right? And Sydney's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and the audience is like, what? Because there's never been two killers before, I don't think that's pretty unique, yeah, yeah. And then so they also reveal that they have her dad, yeah, and they're gonna. Pin it all on him. Which always, I'll forget about that every time I see it. Like, I know, oh, me too. Yeah. But then they also admit that they were the ones who raped and murdered her mother. Well, murdered. The rape, apparently, I figured this last night. The only reason they thought she was raped is because she did, in fact, have sex. Right. With Tom Weary, who was her boyfriend. Or, right. Well, not boyfriend. Okay. It kind of reminds me of the Joker a little bit. Like, you know how in the Dark Knight, where the Joker has like 18 different stories for why is the Joker right. and none of them are true. Right. They kind of almost do that, where, like, she says, like, you know, I don't think she says, what's your motive? But but they're like, well, motives are boring. Right. You know, Hannibal and Lecter never had a motive, which, you know, of course, that was before Hannibal. Right. And they say, did did they ever really figure out why Anthony, or why uh, Norman Bates killed his mother? Well, I think they kind of did. Right. <laughs> but you get the point. They're basically saying there's no motive. Right. Which, that's really cool, I think. But then he kind of says, or maybe it's because your mom slept with my dad and ruin my parents' marriage right. and I'm a mama's boy. So, but still, I think that's kind of a cool impulse to kind of at least play it off like it's all just, you know, nihilism and, you know, and we're just like, you know, people have watched me in movies, but they don't quite do that. I think that's Matthew Lillard, maybe. Yes. When, because what I was going to say was when he says that, when he tells that story about his parents, if they kind of, the camera, you know, goes to Matthew Lillard and he looks genuinely surprised by this news that it's because of his parents. Oh, so Matthew Willard just kind of go along with the ride? Yeah. I don't think he had, knew that at all. Oh, I think okay. it's like you said, he just, you know, he likes he's he likes horror movies and he's he succumbs to peer pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is kind yes. of funny. I guess you get the sense that maybe Matthew Lillard, um, Stu, just looks up to 
Billy. You know, yeah. He's a cool guy, I guess. And I guess it's, that's about it. I do like that. It's just, it's just that stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, why not? Yeah. Um, and then I, I do like how it just turns into just full on, just chaos at the end, you know, them two stabbing each other. Yes. That scene is still so funny. It is. Uh, uh, Matthew Lillard losing all the blood yes. <laughs> and just everything going wrong and uh, the gun going missing and then, you know, Courtney Cox, you know, just emerging out of nowhere and shooting him. <laughs> so good. I remember thinking it was funny and then watching it again and it's still funny was great. Matthew Lillard is still, like when he's on the phone and he's talking to, because um, Sydney gets somehow, they gets away and, and then. Puts on a costume. <laughs> that was a bit, bit much, but her calling makes sense. Yeah. So she calls them and she's, you know, and he's just like, my parents are going to be so mad. All those little, and then, yeah, he says, there's peer pressure. Yeah, I did read that. He ad-lib like all that stuff. So <sighs> That's great. She stabs him yeah. with an umbrella? Can, yeah. Can you do that? No, but I forgot about that scene. That's a pretty shocking scene. I don't know why. It just scares me. Uh, so, yeah, the, yeah, so, but, yeah, but so finally there's, it's all over the place. I mean, people are popping up. Courtney Cox is popping up. <laughs> like, like groundhogs. <laughs> <laughs> then Jamie Kennedy's popping up. And then, um, and then so. It's, people it's, shooting each other. And then it's a great final scene when Jamie Kennedy says, the killer always pops up one more time. Yeah. And then he does, and she shoots him in the head. Yeah, not in my movie. Yes. I think that Sydney, like, I, I'm thinking back, I did not realize that she doesn't take any shit. Yeah. But then we, we don't, forget, don't forget, we get to the end, and we have my boy Dewey. He's okay. He's okay. Um, he's hotter than ever because he's wrapped up, and <laughs> Corny Cox is there. And... Yes. Jamie Kennedy lives. Nev Campbell lives. Yeah. There's not really a... Um hint of a sequel really i mean i guess you just assume it is because you know why not but for some reason my mind i thought there was like some sort of teaser to something else there's really not at all no i mean the the two killers are dead it also still has a great soundtrack yeah i listened to the soundtrack at the gym the other day and it was really good and then it but it it ends with a moby song which at the time sounded pretty cool and then did you hear all the new yeah everyone's mad at i'm mad at moby now (laughs) fuck him Oh, talking about, I mean, especially, I mean, coming after Natalie Portman of all people. Yeah. And I love some of the articles, you know, where she was like, well, she was 20 and it's like, you can Google how old she is right. and when you date her. <laughs> she was 18. And yeah, I know 18 is legal, but come on. I mean, he 18. Was, yeah. What a creep. And, uh, and that can stay on the record. And I would put that like, I would rank that with like, say like the Lost Boys is one of the most fun horror movies you can possibly watch. Right. While still... Yeah, this movie is much more scary, I think, than Lost Boys. Well, yeah, because it's also much more real. It's yeah. not, there's no uh, vampires with mullets. No. <laughs> if only. <laughs> Fortunately. Five stars. Five stars. <laughs> I may even give it a four and a half on Letterboxd. I don't know why. Well, on Letterboxd, I might give it four and a half, too. Is that bad? No, four and a half is great. I was just probably just giving it a half star because it's not a Stanley Kubrick movie. <laughs> I don't know. I also gave, like, all the Avengers movies five stars. <laughs> But you're rating them as Avengers movies. I know, but it's hard when you're on Letterboxd and you, (laughs) maybe you've just watched like Infinity War and then you go on there like five stars and you think about it later. I I guess I still give it five stars, but, (laughs) but yeah, you can follow us on Letterboxd too. If anybody else is on that app, it's super fun. I I have gotten some new followers lately. Oh yeah. I'm almost scared to ask, but do you have a, a true crime for this movie? I do. What? 
<laughs> this is actually a real true crime that Kevin Williamson based the movie on. Okay, well, I think I may, I may have read this too, so okay. I may actually even know about it, which would be a first for me, so I'm kind of excited. This is probably one of the worst true crimes I've done. Okay, well, maybe not. Is this, this, this the one in Florida? Yes. Okay, then I, I read a little bit about it. Well, but I went deep. Okay, I didn't go deep. I just okay. remember thinking, I wonder if Kristen's going to do this. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about the Gainesville Ripper. Sometimes he's called the Gainesville Slasher. So in August of 1990, in Gainesville, Florida, there are five brutal murders that happen in the span of three days. This is not long after our old friend... Ted Bundy was executed in Florida. What we talked about on mm, our... Burn, Bundy, burn. Yes. <laughs> Are you wearing that t-shirt now? <laughs> yes. I got my poster up on the wall. Yeah, I don't know why you wear that to your PTA meetings. But... <laughs> oh, that would be so great. I wonder why they didn't want me to be the Girl Scout leader anymore. So the day before classes are to start, uh, 18-year-old Sonia Larson and 17-year-old Christine Powell are students at the university, they're living off campus, their roommates, they were found murdered in their apartment. Sonia was found raped, her wrists tied and violently stabbed. She was posed and so mutilated that they had to use her dental records to confirm her identity. Thanks. Sorry, I'm just kind of throwing you in the deep end, aren't I? Christine was found with her mouth duct taped shut and violently stabbed. Her nipples had been removed and the bodies had been washed and what then you, repositioned. What do you mean washed? I don't understand. Like, like they were, like after they had been murdered, he took them, somehow washed them with soap, and then put them back. Which, this, this reminds me of, did you watch The Fall? I saw, well, uh, yeah, yeah. Like the first couple seasons. Yeah. I think there's a third. I haven't seen the third. Right. Yeah. And so that that's what that serial killer's MO was. So he would... After he murdered them, he would wash their clothes. He would wash them and put them back in their beds. Their hair would be wet. They'd paint mm. their nails. I know. I'm sorry. It's, well, it's kind of like the X-Files episode, you know, with the... the irresistible? Yeah, yeah. Also, it kind of reminded me of um, Red Dragon. Like, when they first start investigating the murders, uh, one of the things is the... Those are families, but the emphasis is on the mom of the family, and they're always posed and there's anyway it's just well how were do you know how were they posed that was well I are you getting there <laughs> well no I just know that it's sexually explicit oh, okay so I don't really want to know much more than that fair enough okay <laughs> then so that's the first night the next night Christina Hoyt is found murdered in her apartment she had been bound raped and stabbed in the back so very similar mo her okay so this is where it gets really bad this is where it starts <laughs> yeah. her breasts have been cut off which i don't know why that is a thing with these horrible men her head had been cut off and placed on a bookshelf her torso had been cut down from the chest to the torso and positioned on the end of the bed so like she was sitting this is real isn't this, 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 does this not like just sound like I'm reading you Red Dragon? No, oh, yeah. <laughs> also, mirrors have been placed around her body to make it look like it was, so when you walked in, it looked like you were seeing more sides of everything, which also has reminded me of Red Dragon. Yeah, There was sure. things of yeah. where mirror pieces were placed. Ugh. So yes, this is real. 
This was happening in this small Gainesville town that is very low crime. And these detectives and these police, this is the day, next day, you know? And so that's why it reminds me of not only Scream, which is what Kevin Williamson was thinking about, where panic ensues, but also Scream Queens, where like that was on a campus where panic ensues and we're trying that to figure out. That is so gruesome, though. I, I find it hard to believe I haven't heard of that before. Like, I know. So the first night, the two women are murdered. Second night, this woman is murdered. The next night, uh, there's two roommates, 23 year old. They're both 23 year old. Uh, Manny Tabota, who is a man, he's like a 200 pound football player. And his friend, Tracy Pauls, were found murdered in their apartment. Uh, Manny was stabbed to death over 30 times. He was, again, he was a big guy. He would put up a fight. Tracy, again, was bound, raped, and stabbed in the back. She was cleaned and posed. Same MO. So, and a maintenance worker found them. So someone called and asked to get into the apartment. He kind of, he came in. He unlocked the door, came in. Saw the bodies, thought I'm going to call the police. So he closed the door, locked it. But then when he comes back, the door is unlocked. And also when he had first come in, he saw a black duffel bag next to one of the bodies. And it oh, was, so he was still there? Yes. Oh, my God. It was gone. Wow. So he was like that close to being po- murdered. probably murdered, too. Yeah. Man. Yes. <laughs> Scariest thing I've ever heard. I know. <laughs> And later we find out that Tracy says to the killer, you're the one, aren't you? And he responded, yeah, I'm the one, which is just terrifying. Also, in the first murder, these two girls were at Walmart while the murderer was there buying supplies to murder people, Chris. He was buying like rope and screwdrivers and stuff like that. And then he sees them at the Walmart and follows them from there. Anyway, it's terrifying. Um, so so again, this little Gainesville town is terrified. Over 500 students unenroll. Get the hell out. Um, students start arming themselves. Stores sell out of baseball bats, pepper spray. I mean, any anything that they can use as a weapon. Guns, if they can get them. Uh, classes are canceled. Kids walk in groups who are going to class. I mean, it's I mean, it's scream essentially. Except the curfew makes more sense, I guess. In that case, <laughs> they're still yeah, they're still in their apartments. But mm-hmm. yeah, I guess if you're out at night, I guess the idea that you maybe followed home or something, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so within days of the murders, police have a suspect: eighteen-year-old Edward Lee Humphrey. Eighteen. Yes, was arrested on an unrelated charge of beating up his grandma, as people do. Right? It's a pretty big red flag there, I guess. Later, it's determined that he was bipolar. He stopped taking his medication. He had been acting strangely around town. He'd been carrying around knives, and people were kind of worried about him. He also lived in the apartment complex where Tracy and Manny had lived. And Manny's a big football player? Yes. And one of the neighbors said that he thought that Edward had a crush on Tracy. So there's a lot of evidence piling up against Edward, except that there's no real evidence against him. There's no concrete evidence against him. But while he's in jail, the murders do stop. So he so he is in jail for the assault of his grandma. But because he's kind of a suspect, they give him a million dollar bail, which is insane for the crime that he had committed, right? But then while he's in jail, 
the murderer's blood type doesn't match Edward. So he is, they, well, he would have been released, but because of his bipolar issues, he's placed in an institution, but he is released later and he ended up getting his college degree. But so he was what would be in a horror movie, the first suspect, what you're not supposed to think is who it is. So police find their new suspect, Danny Rowling, was in prison in Ocala, Florida for an unrelated burglary charge. Ocala is where we stayed on our way down to Disney World. Yeah, I, I think that's a common... We didn't talk about your Disney World trip, oh. by the way, but not a not, not point now, not a point now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he's in prison, and he's arrested very close to the time that the their first suspect was, so that's why it kind of makes sense that the murders stopped, too. For a, You said for like a burglary type yes. thing? Okay. okay, so now their new suspect is Danny Rowling. Danny Rowling was from Shreveport, Louisiana. So he had a hard childhood. He was beaten by his dad. Started drinking at age 11. Um, and he started robbing and stealing. And then in 1990, he shot his dad twice in the head. His dad survived, but he lost an ear and an eye. And so then Danny fled to Florida and was living in a tent. So this was was interesting. So the police found this tent around the time of the murders but they didn't put it together. So they kind of saw Danny and they chased him and they found his campsite, but they didn't capture him. But they took all of his all of his stuff. And if they would have looked into the campsite, they would have found bloodstained clothing, trophies that he had taken from his murders, and creepy messages that he had recorded onto a tapes. What kind of trophies did he take? It was just like um like items. From like the house. Yes. Uh, or the, the heart apartment, I guess. Yeah, but they didn't tie it together at the time. And, and, and in this case, because sometimes it is kind of like, well, how could they not have put these things together? But in this case, it was pretty... They found this guy who was essentially... Um, what's the word? Vagrant? Homeless? <laughs> <laughs> Trespassing? Maybe. And so there was really Loitering. no... Loitering? <laughs> Loitering. I'm really curious about what word, what word you're looking for. When you're staying somewhere, you're not supposed to stay. Trespassing. No. I'm thinking about rent now. I know. Um, what were they doing? I know what you're talking about now. Um, <laughs> squatting. Yes. <laughs> That's the word. Continue. Okay. So then on September 7th, so the, the, these the murders at, were about like the end of August-ish. So September 7th, Danny was arrested in Ocala for robbing a Winn-Dixie at gunpoint. So they have him in jail. They have his stuff. Because of because of his uh, past record, he's been robbing and stealing and he shot his dad. He's tried on like all of this robbery and stuff and he's already given three life sentences just for that. But while he's in jail, they're trying to put it together that he was also probably involved in these murders. He's already given three life sentences, but then... They charge him for the murders, too. They're putting it together. And then they're finally looking at the stuff that they had taken from his tent. And then it's all come together. Which, I mean, in, mo- in a lot of murders, this is not bad. It's been a matter of you know weeks, maybe. Which, in some cases, this could take months, years. So they charge him with the murders. There isn't really a trial. Because on the first day, he pleads guilty. Mm. So the jury gives him the death sentence. And again, we're in Florida, so we know what happens there. Pick um, up trucks with signs. And- yes. Which is pretty much like there was pictures too. of people. They were like, okay, guys, 
Get the coolers. <laughs> Let's it's go. Time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's got the t-shirts? <laughs> and then also while he's in jail, they realize that he is, he's been the suspect of another triple murder that happened in Shreveport. This happened in 1989. So just a year earlier, a 55-year-old William Grissom, his 24-year-old daughter, Julie, and his 8-year-old grandson, Sean, were stabbed to death in their home. And so they thought that he might have been involved. And while he was on death row, he finally did uh, say that he was responsible for them. Well, what was his uh, motive? He just, or just he's just a serial killer that likes killing people? Or did he say that motives were incidental? It's the millennium. He's at the exact same speech that Billy gave. But no, I mean he didn't. I mean he. I think it's just another one of the stories of serial killers that come from a bad background. You know, it seems like at some point some people go a different way. And some people are just wired differently where they... Not this guy. Not this guy. Okay, so let me tell you, this one gets weirder. What? Yes, there's a little bit more. So while in prison, he's contacted by a woman by the name of Sandra London. They're going to say Clary Starling. (laughs) Uh, Sandra was a woman who was in a relationship with a man who, while they were dating, told her of his desire to kill women. So she left him. Legit. Good, right? Yeah. I mean, there were signs. They used to like to, you know, fuck in cemeteries. And he told her how much he liked to look at women through windows and things like that. But um, so she left him. But later, he did turn out to be a serial killer. His name was Gerard Schaefer. So this kind of messed her up having a fascination with serial killers. And she wanted to write books about them. There's also there's a little uh, Errol Morris did a little short documentary on her. It's on YouTube. It's pretty crazy. What's it called? It's just called like Sandra London, a little conversation with her. So she's just talking the whole time. She tells her story. And then at the end, she um, puts on weird makeup and sings a song. It's, it's, it's very surreal. So she contacted Schaefer, who was her the, the guy she was dating. And they get together and she helps him write a book to tell his story. And then so she starts contacting other serial killers. And so Danny she, Danny contacts her and wants her to tell his story. And when they meet, they fall in love, Chris. Oh, that's sweet. And they get engaged. And it is crazy. So if you watch this little short documentary, you can see so not only does she tell her story and she talks about how she fell in love with him. Uh, she also, she, I mean, she went on the Geraldo Rivera show and talked about it. And then they have the actual footage of his sentencing. And whenever he is told that he had the death penalty, but he gets a chance to talk, he turns to her and sings her a country song. Jesus. And you can see this. And she's like so happy. She's smiling. And it's very weird. Anyway. You, can, uh, you can watch this on YouTube is what you said. Yes. So the, the little uh, Errol Morris documentaries on there, it's like three parts. It's real short. But then in 2006, he was executed. He sang a song as they gave him his lethal injection. He sang a hymn. And what state was he executed in, Dina? Florida. And so that is the Gainesville Ripper or Danny Rowling. But I think that's probably one of the worst yeah, that was a, ones we've done. I think so, yeah. And I mean, that was, I mean, I And it's funny that the worst puzzle true crime story was for Scream, which is like the lightest, probably the lightest movie we've done. I mean. I know, like besides arachnophobia. Well, okay. Yeah, which for is about sure. spider murder. Yeah. Well, good. Well, um, do you want to talk about how people can um, follow us or? 
Yes, that'd be great. Well, yeah. So again, so join our Facebook group. Sometimes groups are better. We have a lot of cool people on there. You can follow us on Twitter at sometimes at sometimes dead four. You can follow us on Instagram at sometimes dead podcast, or you can even email us. Yeah, you can slide into our DMs. Yeah, slide in there. Yeah, please. <laughs> even our personal ones. Um, I don't even know what my personal Twitter is, but if you find me. It's easy enough. Yeah, that's true. Slide in there. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We had fun doing it. Yeah. Um, let us know if you have any thoughts. Um, I'm immediately going to go watch Scream 2. Yes. <laughs> um, possibly on my iPad tonight. <laughs> um, I'm so excited about that, by the way. Good up. Good up. All right. Bye. Good night. Good night.